just a show of hands, how many of you were here last year for Christmas? So, so a bunch of people, you've been around all year. If you remember last year, we talked about God being with us. That was our Advent series last year, Emmanuel, God with us. And we talked about how when God is with us, we have hope. We have peace. We have joy. We have love because he's here and he is all those things. And this year, instead of him just being with us, we're going to talk about being Christmas. This takes it to the next level. Because we are aware that God is with us and he generates those things in our lives, he gives us hope and peace and joy, we get to take that and carry it out into the world and be that to the people around us. So I'm, I'm praying and believing that this year's Christmas season, as we talk about Advent and celebrate what Jesus did, it won't be just a message for in here in this room. I got one right and one Amen. <laughs> I'm believing that it's not just a message for in this room, because he is with us, but he comes and is with us so that we can go be out there in the world and let people see and encounter him. So this year we're talking about being Christmas. 1 John 4.17 reminds us, in this world, come on, reminds us that in this world, as he is, so are we. I love that verse because it doesn't say as he was 2,000 years ago, as he was that baby in the manger, as he was just the nice guy, as he is, present tense, he's ruling and reigning in heaven. He is carrying the atmosphere of heaven around him. He is making all things new. He's bringing hope and peace and joy. As he is right now, so are we in this world. That's, that's an exciting job description. I don't know about you if you have a job where you have a job description and we read all the things that we have to do and the qualifications, but that's part of our job description is we get to go out and be as he is in this world so people will encounter him. So that's why we're talking about being Christmas and taking the things that he gives us to go be in the world. And so this week, to kick off the Advent season, we're going to talk about being hope. Because that's the first week of Advent. We talk about being hope. We were anticipating seeing Jesus come. That was the hope that was released into the world, is they were expecting to see Jesus come and appear here on the earth. So when I looked up hope in the dictionary, how many of you know it's okay to read the dictionary? Yes, it's very helpful to use your Bible when preparing a sermon, but you can also read the dictionary and, and other books. I looked hope up in the dictionary, and I was amazed because the very first two definitions for hope in the dictionary reminded me that there really is a contrast between the world and the kingdom of God. And when I looked it up in the dictionary, this, this was the first definition, and I think this is the worldly definition of hope. This is what you're going to get if you're just out and about without Jesus, just interacting with the world. This is the definition of hope that was number one on the list, to want something to happen or be true. How many of you have ever hoped for something? I, I have to admit, I was kind of hoping that Pitt would put up a good fight against Clemson last night. It didn't work out so well. Come on, I'm, I'm hoping that the Steelers do better tonight than Pitt did last night. Come on, hope to want something to happen or be true. I hope I'm going to get a raise. I hope they notice me when I come into the room. Whatever it is, we're thinking of, of oh, this is something I'd like to see. I'm hoping that this will occur. I hope I get a new job. I hope I win the lottery. How many of you ever said that one? And half of you are like... He's, is that a trick? He's asking me to admit to buying lottery tickets in church. Like, I wanted to put my hand up, but I'm not going to because people are looking at me. Come on, that's what, the, that's what the world offers as their version of hope. Whatever is in you that you think, oh, I'd really like that to happen, and usually it's because it's good for me. 
Come on, that's, that's the essence of worldly hope, is I'd like that to happen because I'd be excited and enjoy it. And sometimes it's based in reality, and sometimes it's just plain fantasy. And that's the worldly version of hope. Oh, I really wish something would change. I wish this would be true. I wish this would happen in my life. And that's not really the hope that Jesus gives us. That's not the hope that we're talking about here at Christmas time. And I was excited because the, the very second definition of hope in the dictionary is one that I think goes along with the hope that God gives us and what happens when we're in his kingdom. It says to expect something with confidence. That sounds more to me like the hope that God gives us. I have an expectation with confidence that that's going to happen. And that's completely different. That is the biblical concept of hope, to believe that something's going to happen, to have confidence about it. I know something is going to change and it's going to be good in this situation. I have to admit, I have been accused of people, by people, from people. I've got to think about how to say that. I have been accused of being too optimistic. Can you believe that? Some, I, I, had, I actually had a pastor friend tell me one time, he says, you know, I thought I was an optimist until I met you. <laughs> why can I have that? Am I, why do I carry hope like that in my life? And come on, it's, it's not like that all the time. You can ask anybody in my family sometimes. But by and large, I'm a very optimistic person. Why does that reside in my life? It's not because of what I want to happen. It's because I know the one who can make it happen. Right. Come on, there is a big difference between just the hope that I have of, oh, I hope the Steelers win tonight, and the hope that I have because I know Jesus. He's, he's the maker of the universe. He's the creator of the oceans. He's the speaker of the stars. He's the giver of life. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, does anybody else know him that way? Come on, the, the way that you know him, that's the amount of hope that you're going to have in your life is to the degree that you know the one that can change the circumstances around you. We serve a God who said there are no impossibilities in my realm. There is nothing too difficult for me. I can make a way when there seems to be no way. Come on, is anybody else excited in this place or is it just me? It's, it's okay to talk in church a little bit. I could even get one amen back there, I think. Come on, the, the God that looked out and there was nothing. It was formless and void and he spoke and said, let there be light. That's the God that I serve who's in my life and causes things to change. And that's why I can have hope. It takes it out of the realm of what I can produce. Oh, I just wish that would happen. Oh, I sure hope something would change. It takes it from that place to saying, I know things are going to work out because he's on my side. And he can take all circumstances, every single thing in my life, and work it together for my good. And because I know that, I can have hope in my life. And once I, come on, once I have hope in my life, then I can be hope to those people around me. Godly hope is to expect something with confidence because I know the one that can make it happen. Psalm 25 reminds us, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Come on, all through scripture, it reminds us there is a place where our hope is supposed to reside and where it's supposed to flow out of. And it's from him, not from anything I can produce or wish it would happen. If anyone, come on, if anyone that ever existed was worth putting your hope in, is Jesus. He will never, ever let you down. I'll, t- I'll tell this side that too. Because I know that there are people that we've put our hope in 
that it doesn't work out so well. Any, any, come on, as much, even the people that I love dearest in the life, and they're the most important to me, and they've spoken the most into my life, anytime you put your hope in a person, you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. But when I put my hope in Jesus, he's the only one that's never going to let me down. He's the only one that's constant, that's able to produce exactly what he promises. So he's worth putting our hope in. And the world needs to know the hope that we have. The world needs to experience some of that because there are places where the world is in a mess. Yeah, I, I get lots of amens on that one because we all live in the world, right? There are places where the world is a mess. I, I read this article this week, and uh, you guys know me. You've been around a little bit. I believe the world's getting better. I believe the kingdom is expanding. I believe Jesus is ruling and reigning right now, not someday. He's on the throne right now. But there was an article that came out this week that said 2017 saw more suicides in the United States than any time in the last 50 years. That's a sobering thought to me because we live in an age and a time, I believe this is the best time that's ever existed up to this point to be alive. And we live in a place where there's all kinds of abundance, there's all kinds of excess, there's all the material things you could ever want, there's all the technology you could ever want, and more than ever, it's leaving people empty and hopeless. I know that the kingdom is expanding, I know Jesus is ruling right now, but when people don't know that, it leaves them empty. And it leaves them without hope to a point where they think, how could I go on? One in six people in the U.S., or on some kind of psychiatric medication. Come on, and that's not disparaging anybody in this room that is. Because if it's one in six, odds are some of us in this room are taking some kind of psychiatric medication, whether it's just to help regulate the chemicals in our brain or to help with depression or anxiety, whatever it is. It's, It's just a fact of what's going on in our society right now. And we need to be people that offer hope and substance to the world around us. God gave us something that the world desperately needs. Come on, isn't, isn't that an amazing way? He's so efficient, he puts us and sends us into the world and he gives us exactly what the world needs to release to them. And more than ever right now, the world is looking for hope. They want to know that there is something worth living that's once, once the world gives them everything that the world promised. Here's all the materialism, here's the fame, here's the riches, here's everything you could ever want. They realize at the end of it, I'm still empty. And I don't have a reason for going on. And thankfully, God gave us access to something that that meets that need in people's hearts. It fills that void. Hope from the world system, I sure wish that would happen, will leave you empty every time. But hope from God will change your life. And it will give you purpose, and it will give you meaning, and it will give you a reason to go on. And thankfully, God has given us access to that realm that gives us things that go beyond what the world can produce. And he's called us to be that for the people around us. I, I think God is so amazing. Do you know he released hope as soon as we needed it? Come on, think about this. What, who, where, what was going on in the Garden of Eden that anybody would even need hope? Right? Man, this is awesome, God. I see you face to face. I'm in your creation. It's perfect. Things are wonderful. What's hope? Like, I don't even know that Adam and Eve had a word for it or a concept for it. Like, what is hope? But the moment we needed it, come on, the the serpent came. He deceived them. They ate the fruit. Sin entered into the world. And then they hid from God. And and God came and said, hey, where are you guys? 
And they were naked. They were ashamed. They were hiding. And as soon as they needed it, God released hope into the situation. Read this verse with me in in Genesis chapter 3, when God is pronouncing a curse. So he's telling them, this is what's happening because of sin and death coming into the world, because of your disobedience, because you you ate the fruit of the garden that I told you not to. This is what's going to happen because of it. And even in that moment, this is what he says. He's talking to the serpent, actually, in this verse. He says, I will make you and the woman hostile towards each other. I will make your descendants and her descendants hostile towards each other. He will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. If we're reading it with eyes to see and ears to hear, God just released hope into the world in that moment. The very moment we needed it. We're in this fallen condition. Sin and death has entered the world. There's a curse coming because of it. And God says, you know what? There's going to come a seed from the woman. There's going to be a descendant that's going to come against the serpent. And the devil is going to be able to bruise his heel. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to die. But what's going to happen because of it? The head of the serpent's going to get crushed. Come on, that's, there is good news in that. Even in the middle of a curse, God releases hope into the world and says, you might have messed things up. You might be in a situation that seems hopeless now. You might be feeling the effects of sin and death in your life, but there is hope for you. Anytime that we get in those situations, we need to remember, this is how God works. The moment I need hope, I realize he's already released it to me. And I don't know what you're going through this morning where you might be in a situation that feels hopeless or you're thinking, oh, I need a change to happen. I can't go on like the way it is. If we will stop and get our focus back on him. Man, we've already heard it a couple times this morning. Turn your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If we center ourselves back on him, we will realize he's already released the hope that we need to endure. That was, that was a great word this morning, Steve, just to endure. He says Jesus endured unto victory. Come on, he rose up out of the grave. He conquered sin and death. He didn't endure just to put up with the suffering. Come on, I think that's, that's part of what the world produces. How many of you know people that they are just enduring through life and they don't see an end to it? They don't see any way out. They're just thinking, oh, I'm just, it's just the rat race I'm just putting up with. I'm just enduring. And Jesus endured to victory. That's the model we're to follow. We go through these things so that we can experience the victory that he's promised to us. Thank you, God, that you've already given us everything we need. And sometimes we get so caught up in the circumstances, we forget to look and realize he's already released it to us. And we have to know that. We have to be solid in knowing that he's given us what we need. Because how could we go out and be hope to anybody else if we don't have it rock solid in our lives first? We can't give away what we don't have. I guess we could try. Did anybody ever try that? Eddie, I really want to give you $100. (laughs) but it's, it's empty. Like, like, how can I give away something I don't possess? I'd, I'd really love to give it. And that's why we have to know it solid in here. If I want to be hope out there, I have to have hope in here. And when I get that solid in me, when I get focused where I need to focus, I can go be hope in the world and let people know he's got a plan for them. So uh, I'm not saying, I got a couple tips that I think help us do that. And I'm not saying to ignore what's going on in the world, but do you know that you can have hope in spite of the circumstances that are going on around you? 
I, I believe the hope, that the kind of hope that God gives is independent of what actually is happening in our lives at that moment. The circumstances that are going on, the things we see. Here's a great verse in Romans talking about Abraham. It says, against all hope. Everybody say that phrase. Against all hope. Sounds like a, a good lead into a movie or a book or something. Against all hope. This is, this is Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham in hope. Everybody say Abraham in hope. So against all hope, he was still there, rooted in hope. How do you get that? Well, you get it from God, giving you hope independent of your circumstances. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Against all hope. What, what does that phrase even mean? It means that here was this guy at 90 years old, he got a promise, you're going to have a son. And his wife was just like... <laughs> I don't even know how to say that. Some of us, we, we get past 40 and we're not thinking about having kids anymore. And you, you start getting up and you wonder, like, how is this ever going to work? Here's two people. By the time the promise came, they're 100 years old. Against all hope. Talk about a hopeless circumstance that you say, hey, we're going to have kids. I, I, I'm having a hard time just reconciling that in my own life at the age we are. And we're not that old. Like if somebody came and said, you're going to have a son, and it'd be, <laughs> I'd, I'd be there with Sarah laughing in the tent, I think. Yet to have somebody in their 90s saying, you're going to have a son, and he's going to produce the heir, the Messiah is going to come through you. All nations on the earth are going to be blessed through you. Talk about having hope from God. And it started because Abraham got a promise, and he hung on to it. And it didn't depend on his circumstances. Abraham looked around and was like, I don't know how this is going to work. Sarah doesn't know how this is going to work. It's, it looks hopeless, so, but against all hope, I'm in hope. And I believe you. If you've got a promise from God, you can be in hope, no matter what the circumstances in your life are saying. That's why we've got to hear his voice. We've got to know what he said to us, what he wants for our lives. Against all hope, Abraham was there in hope, and he knew something was going to happen. Hope doesn't come from a location or possessions that we have. It comes from a person. Hope. If you know you have a promise, you can have hope. And I thought, God did this pattern through the whole Old Testament. He gave Abraham this promise, and he had hope. He, he talked to the Jews while they were in Egypt. Come on, been in slavery for 400 plus years. And God says, hey, I'm going to raise you up and bring you out. There's a deliverer coming. How hard would it be to have hope that you were going to be free if your family had been in bondage for 400 years? But that's the kind of hope that God gives that goes beyond our circumstances. How, how hard would it have been to have hope if you were a little boy named David and there's this nine foot giant out there saying, hey, Come, come, come at me, bro. I'm going to feed you to the dogs. The birds are going to pick up your carcass. Come on. Talk about needing hope in a situation that says there's no reason for you to have hope. Here's, here's a guy with armor and a spear, and, and you're like a shepherd boy with little rocks in your pocket. But he had hope he, because he knew God. And God had given him a promise, and he had seen him come through before. I, we, we were reading the verse in Isaiah this morning that talked about a root growing up out of the stump of Jesse. Talk about hopeless. If you had... Man, there's all kinds of thoughts popping in my head. Think about if your family tree had been cut down to the ground and it was just a stump, how much hope would you have for anything good happening? 
And yet the promise God gave was, hey, even though that stumps in the ground, I'm going to raise up a righteous branch. He's talking about Jesus prophesying that the Messiah was going to come from a situation that looked hopeless, that there's no future for it. Helping people see beyond their circumstances is one of the first steps to being hope in their lives. Sometimes it really is just putting your arm around somebody and say, you know, there's a God that's bigger than what you're going through right now. There's, there's a reality that's more real than what you're experiencing and feeling and seeing and, and what's going on right now. That's the first way to be hope in somebody else's life to say, this isn't all there is. What you're going through now, I know somebody that's bigger. What, what you're going through now, I know somebody that endured the cross and scorned its shame because of the joy set before him. What you're going through now is something that Jesus can come and help you with. That's the first way to be hope in people's lives. I think another way to be hope in somebody's lives, you know, when we share about what Jesus has done in our lives, we're being hope in that moment. There is something about testifying. Is it? I don't know. This happens to me, but have you ever started to talk about what Jesus has done in your life with somebody else and you start getting encouraged? Like, like just sharing out of your own mouth. You're thinking, hey, I want to just share a cool thing that Jesus did. I want to give a testimony to my friend. And all of a sudden, you start talking about what Jesus did, and you start getting excited on the inside. Like, all of a sudden, hope is welling up in me. Man, I didn't even know I was getting down in the dumps. I didn't even know I was dragging a little bit. But I start telling about what Jesus has done, and something in me starts to change and get lifted. And when that happens, the people around you start to change and get lifted. There's hope that's released when we testify about what Jesus has done. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says the life appeared. He was actually talking about Jesus. He said the life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard. Why? Why is he proclaiming? Why is he doing all that? So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There is power when we testify, and it actually releases hope to others. Do you see in that verse what it produced? The moment they began to proclaim, it drew other people in. It said, hey, there is a life for you. There is a fellowship that we share in with the Father and the Son. And when we begin to tell you about it, it invites you and draws you into it. You want to be hope in somebody else's life? Just begin to tell them what has Jesus done in your life. Man, this is a, this is a hopeless situation right now. You know, I had a time in my life that it was hopeless, and, and Jesus broke through and, and gave me hope again. I mean, I, I didn't see how I was going to get out of that. I had, I had more bills than money. Come on, there are a lot of people in that situation right now. Don't get yourself into that mess at Christmas time. Anybody ever seen, have you, have you seen that circulating around recently? You don't have to go into debt to show somebody how much you love them. Anybody seen that making the rounds? Do you know that's, that really is true? <laughs> don't get yourself in a mess at Christmas time. Gosh, we're, not, we're, we're going to talk about money in January. That was, that was just a preview. That was a little drip from the Holy Spirit right there. He's telling, he's telling you in advance. You know, I'm, I'm going to preach in January and we're all going to feel bad because we got these credit card bills and these things we went into debt for at Christmas time. And here God's giving you a little heads up before we even preach about it in January. Don't get yourself in a mess at Christmas time. Man, that was not in my notes. I don't know, what, what age is it, do you have to stop making handmade Christmas cards? Like, what age is that not okay anymore? I don't know. Sil- Silas gave me the nicest card ever last year that he sat and drew on a piece of paper. 
Those are the best. I don't throw those away. Gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting all emotional about thinking about my kids making me a handmade Christmas card at 18. <laughs> I feel like I should be upset at them. Like, hey, you should be responsible and buy me a gift now. And Don't go into debt to show somebody you love them. Gosh, that wasn't on my list at all. We need to testify. That's being hope in the world to people. To tell them, here's what Jesus did in my life. I see what you're going through. Let me, let me tell you about a time when he delivered me out of a place I didn't think it was going to help. Um, the, here's one more I want to touch on, and we'll go today. Uh, one of the main ways to let hope flow in our lives and to give hope to others is we need to give away and get rid of the things that try to steal our hope. Do you know that there are things that creep into your life that kind of elbow and move hope out of the way? When we let worry and we let anxiety and we let fretting about things get into our lives, it's hard for hope to grow in our lives when we let those things in. And we actually have the ability to unload that stuff. There's, there's a verse I want to read in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's a very, very famous verse, depending on what translation you have, you're more familiar with it. But uh, I love the way it said it in the Passion Translation. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. I love that that translation added that. Cause, and leave them there. How many of you have ever given stuff to Jesus and then you pick it back up the moment he, you're done praying about it? It's like, oh, I thought I gave all my worries to him, but the moment I left that time with him, they were all back on my back. It says, pour out your worries and your anxieties and leave them there. That's what we need to do. It says, pour out your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. Think about how hope-filled our lives would be if there was nothing creating worry and anxiety in our lives. Come on, can anybody envision that? That's, that's like something, that's like a place we all want to strive to get to. If, if there was absolutely nothing producing stress, anxiety, or worry in my life, how much hope would we have? That's, a, that's an amazing thought that, that Jesus says, that's a, you're able to get to that place by giving all that stuff to me. And when we unload our worries and our anxieties and our cares on him, that makes room in our lives for hope to grow. Worry squeezes out the room for hope. Worry really is the opposite of hope because hope says, I believe good things are going to happen because I know God. Worry says, I believe the worst thing in this situation is going to happen. Why, why do we do that? Is that human nature? As, as soon as we see a situation, we automatically jump to the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen in this situation. It's like, oh, that's what's going to happen. I just know it. You, kind of, you guys are looking at me like I'm the only one that does that. <laughs> I know some of you. <laughs> we, we talk about not being Eeyore. Come on, does anybody relate to that? Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, it's a nice house, but I guess it'll fall down as soon as I try to live in it. Come on. That's just human nature. We go to that place of, oh, fill in the blank with whatever's horrible and terrible. That's probably what's going to happen. That's worry, and that's the opposite of hope. And Jesus says, get that stuff out of your life. Why, why did Jesus tell people, don't be anxious for anything? Like the shortest command in the Bible, but one of the hardest ones to ever live up to. He says, don't worry about anything. Your father knows all those things that you need. He cares about you. We have to give that stuff to Jesus and leave it there if we ever want to be hope to the people out there. And sometimes people need help to cast those cares onto Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't even unload the stuff yourself? 
I'm not going to do it this morning, but I actually pictured like for a good object lesson, I was like, oh, I could lay down on the podium and pull the pull the lectern over on myself. And then I thought that could go horribly wrong. So I'm not going to do that. But that was the picture I saw. Like, what if I was laying here on the stage, pinned under this podium, and I couldn't get out of it myself? It's so heavy that there's no way I could even push it off of me. In that moment, I need somebody else to come with me and help push the burdens off of me. Do you know that there are a lot of people that sometimes that's, that's the picture? They're weighed down so much that they actually need help to do what that verse says, to cast all of your cares on Jesus. That's part of why he put us together, to say, man, let me pray with you. How how much simpler could it be to be hope to somebody than to to come alongside them and say, hey, let's pray together. what, What does that take? That doesn't even cost you anything. You don't have to write a check or swipe your card. It's just literally some of your time to care and to sit with somebody and say, let's pray together. Man, I see you going through that situation. I see how hard that is. I see it's weighing on you. Let me help you get those burdens off of you onto Jesus. I think that is one of the main ways we can be hope to other people is just to begin to to offer, hey, can I pray with you? Can I pray a hope-filled prayer? Come on, I think there's a difference between praying hopeful prayers and praying hope-filled prayers. And that's the challenge I have for us this week. I would like us to take some time this week to pray hope-filled prayers. Not just, oh, I wish this would change for you. I hope this will work out. Well, God, maybe you could do this for my friend. Let's pray some hope-filled prayers. God, I know you are able. Like, like, forget even, maybe, maybe you don't need to pray and talk about the circumstance at all. Maybe you just need to help somebody and pray with them and say, let's pray and talk to God about how awesome he is. God, you're, you're the creator of the world. You're, you're the one that laid the foundations of the ocean. You spung the stars in the sky with your fingertips. Like, God, I know you're able. Maybe we should start there and have some hope-filled prayers to begin to get our eyes off of those circumstances and back onto him. Let's go ahead and stand together in this place today. I want to I actually practice that before we leave. I, I believe the church is a safe place to practice. If we, if we don't do it in here, how will we ever be confident and bold enough to do it out in the world, to be hope somewhere else? Uh, if you're in this place this morning and you're thinking of a situation like, that's, that's, I need some hope. I need that kind of hope and not just wishing it would change. Uh, if you're in this room this morning and you need hope, to be seen in a situation in your life, I just want you to raise your hand up. All right, I see a bunch of hands around the room. So, so what I would like us to do, if you guys are okay, just give me two more minutes here. I want you to gather around. If somebody has their hand up right now, a couple people that, if you didn't raise your hand, just go next to them, put your hand on their shoulder, and just pray a, a short, hope-filled prayer over them right now. So you can move if you need to. Find somebody if you still got your hand up. If you need hope in a situation, just let a couple people surround you and just begin to pray hope-filled prayers. The God of the universe, we believe you're able to do something in this room this morning. In our lives, you're able to do something outside of this room today. Release your hope in our lives, God. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. We just declare that you are able.